0: Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer.
1: Looking to sell everybody price dependent.
0: Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen.
2: Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome
1: back to another live episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. We are fresh off of our NFL Draft show special. I am joined by Dan Lamania. That's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's up, Dan?
0: JB, excited for another episode. Still all stoked about uh, CD Lamb as we were talking pre show here. And uh, my head's spinning a little bit, man. I got multiple, like you guys, rookie drafts going on, startups going on. And, and the amount I have pales in comparison to you. I'm, I'm surprised you're even here tonight.
1: Yeah, this is probably, I mean, I love startup season, but I think rookie draft season might be the only thing. That outweighs that. And Dan, I I showed you before the show here, but over my, I got a New Jersey here. I don't know if you can see the name over Gallup, but my old C D Lamb jersey here. So I'm I'm jumping on the bandwagon. And then we are also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at Dino MC on Twitter. Mitch, what's going on?
2: What's going on? I think we already talked about it. Pretty sure we decided to go for two nights next year, didn't we? On the draft, one night just wasn't enough. We need two nights of Dynasty Theory for that.
1: I was sitting there Friday night. I was itching. I was like, I, I want to jump on something. I had, you know, Justin from the father son podcast. He was like, oh, let, let's do something. And I, I wanted to, but I couldn't swing it with my wife. And Mitch, I was laughing because your mom watches all of our shows live on YouTube. And she even stuck around for whenever we got a little. Well, I say we, but I got yeah. a little R rated. So I, I just want to apologize to everybody.
0: Well, she'll hear you right now. <laughs> <laughs> we have to ask Mama Soros. And after the show, if she forgives you, JB.
1: I think she will. She she can throw a comment on the uh, on one of our Instagram posts. But before we introduce this week's guest, and we have another great one lined up, I want to remind everybody that Mother's Day is right around the corner. Do not get stuck getting your mom or wife the same old flowers in a card. Instead, check out MyFrontPageStory.com. You'll have the chance to sit down and talk to an actual reporter who will read a fantastic story about your mom or wife. And it will look like it's from a newspaper. Plus, you don't have to leave the house for this gift, which is always a plus with everything that's going on. Again, that's myfrontpagestory.com and use code THEORY20 to get 20% off. We have another fantastic guest joining us tonight. He is the host of Super Superflexperts and the co-host of Fantasy Timeline. You can find him on Twitter at SuperdupaFlex. none other than Bill McCarthy. What's going on, Bill?
3: Hey, JB. How you doing?
1: Oh, always good. I think I'm still recovering from draft night, but I'm hanging in there. I mean, obviously, you watched the draft. You jumped in our chat every once in a while throughout the night what did What did you think of it? Not so much from a an actual draft perspective and where players went, but like the format did was it okay with you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. it, it you know it's nice to see the crowd and everything, but I mean, I think they did as well as they possibly could with you know the options that they had. It was kind of funny to see uh, the commissioner slowly slouch in his chair after each pick, which that kind of entertained me.
1: Eating a thousand M&Ms throughout the the yep. draft. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. I thought it was really cool to see the, the players with their families and the reactions and the, the emotions that we got to see. But I, I thought, like you said, Bill, they did the best they could in this situation. And, you know, I wouldn't mind if they did the same thing next year, but I have a feeling money-wise that's not going to fly. So like i said obviously we're coming off of the draft here let's talk about some of the biggest rookie risers a lot of us were taking part in in our rookie drafts and we want to talk about the guys whether it's because of the draft itself or maybe we've you know just reevaluated a certain player they're a riser for us in our in our on our draft boards so bill let's start with you Let, let's take a deep dive into a player and then eventually we can just rattle through a few
3: Sure. So the guy that I picked was Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, running back drafted by Tampa Bay. Fantastic situation for him. Um, He's a little bit older, 25 years old, but he has prototypical size for a lead back, Um, good balance vision, capable receiver. Arians has been saying that he wants somebody that can play all three downs. And, you know, he just seems to be that type of bat compared to uh, Ronald Jones.
1: Wait, Bill, can I stop you real quick? You said Keyshawn Vaughn was 25.
3: 23. Yeah, I
1: I had to I had to look though because did I did I make that up? I thought I heard twenty five.
3: I, I thought I said twenty three, but I I mean, who knows what I'm saying?
1: I had to look though because I'm like, if he's twenty five, I just moved him up my draft board. He's gonna plummet.
3: Yeah. I'm, no, 23. If I said 25, I did not mean that, but you know, regardless, he's a little bit older than most running backs. So, you know, you're, I wouldn't expect much after that first contract.
1: And I, you see all the time where people, you know, there's a lot of people that do a lot of analytical uh, data and you look at the running backs, the age they are when they're drafted. And I think he was 22 whenever the draft took place. I think he might turn 23 next week, but you know, that's kind of like Sony Michelle and there, there's very few players That just like you said, Bill, they are productive into their second contract. And I I can't think of some of the players off the top of my head right now, but they had a few good years two, three, four years. And then after that, there was a big drop off. And Mitch, you and I were in a lot of startups right now, or a lot of rookie drafts, and some of them were co owning teams. Mm -hmm. We've been chasing Keyshawn Vaughn since the draft.
2: Yeah, every chance I've been able to get him, I've got him, whether I've had a trade up. There's some leagues where I just didn't have the firepower to trade up in the first round because my teams are awful. But all the rest of them, I've got him in six of 10 rookie drafts I've done so far. I've traded for him in when the startups had the rookies included. I've traded for him in those leagues already, and I'm trying to acquire him in a few more. But for his cost right now, people still like acres above him. And I have no idea why someone would want to take acres above him in the first place. But there's a big difference in value between the two. And I would much rather just have Vaughn at his cost.
1: Up until 12 hours ago, I had acres above Vaughn, and I'll admit it. And I actually had acres above Dobbins pre-draft. But Dobbins has jumped up over acres. Vaughn has jumped up over acres for me. So now I'm sitting here and I have acres around running back six. And just like you said, Mitch, his he's a much more expensive right now in startups. I've seen him go as high as 104. Or I, I keep saying startups. I have startups on the brain still. I I'm never going to get over them. But in rookie drafts, I've seen him go as high as 104 in a super flex rookie draft. And you don't have to pay that for Vaughn. We just got him 14th or 13th overall in one. Dan, you're in that league too. What do you think about Keyshawn Vaughn? Is there any concern or any hesitation that Ronald Jones is still going to get? A decent amount of work
0: I mean there's always some concern you know in Tampa Bay you know that they've been still praising Ronald Jones uh how much is that his talk and how much do they really believe Uh, I have him and Akers pretty close together I like Mitch's point of you know depending on value and where they're going but you know Vaughn could be a nice pick there and uh I'm a little surprised JB that you know you're, you're you're giving in and you're collaborating with Mitch here, because I do believe going in previous episodes, Mitch was the one that was singing the praises of Vaughn there and saying whoever gets that job in Tampa Bay is kind of my, is my guy. That, that's accurate, correct, Mitch? You, you've been on that for a while. Yep. Yeah,
2: without a doubt. I didn't have Vaughn anywhere close to where I have him now, but he got that spot. He has good draft capital. And whoever was going to go there, I was just going to put him up higher. That's just how it went. Ended up being Vaughn, so I'll buy Vaughn for his what I consider a discounted price right now, because if you look at him compared to the other rookie running backs, I'll take him four or five picks after the other guys.
0: I like that some of the talented guys that we've been talking about for weeks really did land in some nice spots. Mm-hmm. You know, with Tampa Bay, Mitch, you kind of claimed that Tampa Bay spot. He says, hey, whoever goes there, you're not a believer in Rojo. And then there's a you know a talented running back that landed there. So kudos there. And I'm happy you got John to collaborate with you and the teams that drafts that you're together with.
1: See, I, I, I tell you guys all the time, and I tell the listeners, I don't give in a take lock. I will be the first to admit whenever I was wrong. And, Mitch, you and I, we talked about Cam Akers how many times pre-draft. And we, I was one of the people that was making an excuse for him while well, his offensive line was bad. Let's see where he lands in the NFL. He lands into a somewhat crowded backfield with a bad offensive line. So I you have to adjust. And I think I'm already seeing things. And, Mitch, I sent you a screenshot from a tweet earlier today from somebody And it said, basically, they weren't adjusting the value of a player
0: because of their landing spot. And I said, that's take lock. And you want to avoid that. But but John, a little later, we're going to talk about some receivers. And and you're not cooperating with Mitchell here, who has some great insight and a mutual respect for a rookie that I have. And uh, I'm struggling. So I was paying you a compliment on this one, but I think you're struggling with other guys. And I'll
1: throw our rankings up on the board, and I know exactly you're talking about. I'm looking at him on my screen here. Don't say his name yet. We don't want to spoil it. But yeah, I'm not touching this guy with a 10-foot pole here. But Bill, real quick before we move on to your other guys, Keyshawn Vaughn, Ronald Jones is still there. He's not going anywhere. Is there a concern in year one, or do you think this is another situation where it often happens with rookies that Keyshawn Vaughn's going to have to kind of grow into that role? And even then, it still might be a timeshare.
3: Well, I think there's going to always be a timeshare of sorts, Um, but the fact that Rojo struggles so much with pass protection, I think that gives Keyshawn Vaughn just all the, you know, plus touches. And that alone, you know, maybe it's a two-thirds, one-third type of thing where you're seeing uh, Vaughn get 65-35. You know, I'm very much comfortable taking him.
0: I just want to say kudos to Bill on that one there. He took the words out of my mouth as far as pass protection when it comes to t- those two running backs. We saw Rojo get in the doghouse last year, of Bruce Arians and get benched, and Keyshawn Vaughn coming in is one of the better pass-protecting backs, you know, from what we've seen. So as long as he takes that playbook, that could be an edge.
1: Bill, right now, and I don't know if you've really thrown together your rookie rankings and you're shaking your head no, but I'm going to put you on the spot. And I'm, I'm going to throw our rankings up here because... Especially Keyshawn Vaughn, we definitely vary a little bit. I Dan, I think you have him where do you have him? Do you have him? You have him there at 112. But if I'm, I'm if right you with you Mitch. To, if you had to ballpark there and Mitch has him there too, but if you had to ballpark where you have Keyshawn Vaughn in super flex rookie drafts, where do you feel comfortable taking him?
3: I think towards the end of the first. And you know, running back is so much more so much more of a position that's gonna succeed in its first year that I feel like people really need to start taking I don't know I don't want to say flyers but more risk when selecting running backs and in the rookie draft and and so I can accept anybody taking Vaughn even earlier but I think I'm comfortable around the 109 110 range for him
1: and that's fair. So right in the middle between me, who's on cloud nine right now, having him all the way up there and bitch, don't roll your eyes at me. Come on.
2: You've changed it since then, though. Like he'd be up higher on mine as well. But I'm going to give you that chance. But I just had to
1: sneak that in there. You know, of course the you our, our senior intern of marketing and uh, design, aka my sister, and it's still an unpaid internship. You know, it's not in the, the dynasty theory budget quite yet, but I, I shot her a message. I said, Hey, can you make it a little adjustment? And one other thing, That She did. I don't know if you guys noticed initially for both of you. It said J.K. Dobbins for me. It said J. Dobbins. I was like, we have to get that updated. I can't just have a
2: J. Dobbins.
1: Okay. So, so Bill, you're sitting there in the middle between Mitch and Dan and myself, but Mitch. Okay. Let's say that you did adjust your rankings right now. Where would you have him
2: right where you do at One Oh six. I'd have him above the wide receivers because right now the wide receivers are slipping like they always do in rookie drafts, but I didn't expect him to slip as much as what they have. So I think in order to get Vaughn, you're going to have to take him in that 106, 107, 108 range right now.
1: And yeah, But there are situations you don't have to. Like I said, yeah, we, sometimes got him you at, don't. Yeah. we got him at 113, and granted, it was a 14-team Superflex League, but we did get him a little bit later. You know, and, and Mitch, I'm not saying that I had him at 106 initially, because I, I did not. I actually, I had him, I think, at 112, maybe 111, somewhere around there, but... You know, I, I, I did adjust a little bit so, Bill. Who are a few of the other guys? And you can just rattle them off if you want to go into a little more detail. You can, Up, oh, Dan's throwing a timeout at me. What's up? I, I, need,
0: I need a timeout first, JB. And I apologize, Bill. I don't have my challenge flag like I did in the draft show tonight. <laughs> but uh, I, I see you guys bumping Keyshawn Vaughn up there, and I, and I agree with your analysis. And if you need a running back, I know you guys say if you adjust your rankings, you'd have them up higher than where you have them now. But I'm the guy in the league that's going to be very happy when. Lamb or Judy slide to me because you took Keyshawn Vaughn. I'd rather trade for a running back, some platoon running back elsewhere, and take that long-term upside potential of the wide receiver. So I just needed the challenge flag out on you there, John. I I can't bump Keyshawn Vaughn up to like a a 106. I just can't do it. Now,
1: let me ask you a question. Bill, you made a really good point that running backs, obviously there's a slightly better chance that they're going to be productive in the the usage in year one. I think oftentimes we see a running back – it's one of two things for rookie running backs. Either their value really gets boosted, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, a Joe Mixon, and then there's running backs like Ronald Jones, on Johnson, not really, but, you know, Ronald Jones is probably the best example. If a running back doesn't produce in year one, their value plummets, whereas with a wide receiver, I think it's a little more insulated, but you don't see as many of those spikes in the positive direction. And if you guys are seeing anything different, please correct me, but I think overall... And there's always going to be outliers. But overall, that's kind of what we see in general. So, yeah, you're taking a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy. What really is the expectation for year one? Because I believe, and there's, again, there's always different situations league to league, uh, league mate to league mate. But I believe that if I take a Keyshawn Vaughn and he does what I expect him to do in that offense and take over that role from Ronald Jones very early in the season, that you're going to see a value spike compared to C.D. Lamb, even though I have my makeshift I keep screwing this up my makeshift lamb jersey here you know or a Jerry Judy where Mitch says Drew Locke couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat but I think there's a better chance that a player like Keyshawn Vaughn we see a spike in value and you're going to be able to reap those benefits that's just my thought though
3: yeah I agree I think that that's why the running backs are a little bit more um you know manic I guess boomer bust type of thing if they really produce you know the value is just going to be crazy high the wide receivers, you're a little bit more insulated in their value. Uh, if it's an A.J. Brown thing, I mean, it's going to be crazy high. But even if it's not and they produce moderately, it's it's going to be very similar to what their value is at the moment, mm-hmm. and probably even a little bit more if they sh- pop in a few games. So it's just a matter of risk-reward and, and kind of what your risk tolerance is, I think. That's kind of why I put him in the one ten range because I, I still feel like I'd rather have Lamb and Judy over him. but and I th- mean I
1: think you're in the majority there. Mm-hmm. I, pe- people are going to listen back to this and think, well, those a-holes, Mitch and John, we're not going to listen to them from here on out. We're going to listen to Dan LaMagna because he, he's the wisest of them all here on Dynasty Theory.
0: Bill, who but are then, the other guys you want to rattle off here?
1: Dan, do you have another? This is your uh, second time out of the night already. You I, have th- th- one more. Th- th-
0: you know, I, I got to use a second one early. John, this is a dynasty sh- sh- podcast, isn't it? Not a redraft podcast. Don't well, you want but, a guy that could be a superstar the... wide receiver or do you want a running back that's going to be a decent running back till Tampa Bay takes someone else in a couple of years? We yeah, talk John.
1: about the short-term values all the time, though. And going go to startup right now, who's going early? Zeke's still going early. Barkley, CMC, they're the top of the list. And people are getting DeAndre Hopkins in the second round of super flex startups right now. He still has at least at least three more really high quality years. So,
0: yes, their bell cow backs going top, not a platoon back. He's still a platoon in Tampa Bay. In your mind,
3: I think that it's not he's my mind. out coach. Over here, <laughs> <laughs> Coach mind.
0: Go ahead. I Bill. kind of feel like
3: he's a little bit more like uh, Connor in a way. You know, he's not going to be like the guy who has like real high draft equity and. I think there there's always the risk of if he doesn't hit, it's, he's going to end up in the situation like Connor is right now,
1: or uh, Royce Freeman,
3: or Royce Freeman, yeah. sure. So that that's always like again, it's the risk. But as to the uh, other guys, um, the ones that really caught my eye that I think are going to get a jump in value just based on their draft was Michael Pittman uh, going so early in the second round, and he's essentially looking to be the uh, Wide receiver one after T.Y. retires. Um, Chase Claypool. I'm not really sure what he's going to be. I think if he ends up a tight end, I mean, that could be really saucy if you're in a tight end premium league.
1: They they said, I saw something today. They plan on moving him to the outside and moving Juju back to the slot.
3: Okay, so then that hurts Washington. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Anything would have hurt Washington. A garbage can lining up on the other side would hurt Washington.
3: (laughs) I'm sorry, but he's garbage. And then the one that surprised me the most was Van Jefferson going in the second round. And I'm not really sure what they're going to do, but just the fact that he's a really refined player right now, a little bit older wide receiver. And the fact that, you know, they, they just traded away Brandon cooks. I think that they're going to figure out what, I don't know what they're going to do because he's kind of a similar player to me as cup, but maybe they move cup outside. Maybe they, you know, move these guys all over the place. Like a lot of teams are doing Um, so he could end up being in a really good spot this year.
1: I love Michael Pittman. I think that's a great, a great uh, player here that you're bringing to the table. Chase Claypool. He's still early third round for me, but much higher than he was initially. And then Van Jefferson, Mitch, I had to double check here, but you certainly have him the highest out of all three of us, Dan, myself, and you, you have
2: met 206 here and you, do you still feel comfortable there? I do. It's just how the Rams use their wide receivers. He's going to be on the field. I don't see Josh Reynolds playing over him for very long, if he even does it all to start the season. So Van is going to get... Is there any concern
1: with them running more 12 personnel with Higby and Everett? And now they have... uh, They brought Hopkins... Or Hopkins? Was it Brayson Hopkins?
2: Yeah, they they definitely could. But as I see it right now, until they change that philosophy and I see it, I'm going to still stick with the... Rams run that 11. They run it the most in the league. And so that's why I have Ben Jefferson so high is because he's going to see the field. You're going to get production and that's what you need to see. You know, if he gets the production early and he produces, then that's awesome. But if he goes out there and turns into our Sega white side, then you know, really quickly that you're just going to have to drop bait at that point.
0: A and of I thoughts. have
1: him. I have him, I think early third, he might be back to back with chase Claypool because I think they're both in similar situations. They're going to have an opportunity to see the field early as a rookie. But how are they going to produce? And as long as they do a decent job, just like Bill said, their value is going to be insulated as a wide receiver as long as they don't turn into a JJ Orsega White side, like you said, Mitch. And Dan, you didn't have to use a timeout, but jump in here.
0: A couple of thoughts. And I think I saw Mitch in a couple of leagues take Van Jefferson. And you guys both made great points on him. You know, he, I watched his film, and as we got closer to the draft, he went from like not on my radar to, to really moving up. And he is intriguing, and I think he could beat out Josh Reynolds. But to JB's point, you know, you take him like you did, Mitch. I think it was a good pick where I saw you take him in, in rookie drafts. You're just worried that they use too much 12 personnel and how much, mm-hmm. you know, targets can he get. But yeah, I think we got him evaluated pretty good. And Chase Claypool there, uh, JB, you know, you might be breaking me finally here on the James Washington. That's who I heard he, they would be competing those two. I know Dallas was interested in Claypool if Lamb didn't fall to them. Uh, he's, he's an intriguing prospect
1: and van jefferson mitch while you have him at 206 i don't think you're going to have to take him at 206 as long as you have other picks a little bit later but it, let's say you have 206 you don't have a third and maybe you have a couple fourths then maybe you have to pull the trigger but otherwise you could probably get him early third in most situations
3: yeah he's going to be one of those like in ineff- like market inefficiencies you know like he's drafted in the second round and people you might be able to get him in a third round of a rookie draft which is just those are the things that honestly are where you win you can get these guys who are drafted way earlier in the actual NFL draft than your rookie drafts Mm
1: -hmm. completely agree and then there's a few guys that are on the other side of that we're not going to get into it tonight but you know maybe next week Mitch and Dan and myself will touch on some of the the guys that really dropped Dan who do you have here who is your biggest rookie riser
0: First, like I gotta say it's tough to follow Bill there using that word saucy. I gotta steal that for a future episode. I like that, Bill. I'm gonna take that, but but don't put T.Y. Hilton into retirement on me too soon here. I got some shares, and it's a free agency, and I think he blows up this year, and then we'll talk about retirement in a year or two. But he's gotta get he's gotta get paid first. But my biggest riser would be Clyde edwards Uh, You know, in our past episodes, we mostly talked about DeAndre Swift and and, and Mr. Taylor over there, who both you know, still have good landing spots and they're up there on our list. You know, I saw some analysts like DeLair and kind of snuck him in, but we didn't talk about him as much. And I just think he got the prime opportunity in Kansas City. You know, Coach Reed isn't a big draft running backs high guy, and here he uses first-round capital on a running back. You know, I think D. Will will play a little bit this year. We got Temperes temper expectations to a degree, but man, a piece of that Kansas city office D will probably get in the doghouse or injured at some point. And it, I think it'll be the Clyde, the glide show there. Um, as you know, as far as the other running backs, good situations, but I think in Indianapolis, I think Marlon max has just one season being his free agent year where, you know, I think you got a temper expectation, just a little bit on Taylor just for one season. And then I think he's going to be the man. And then, um, you know, Swift, I don't know, Mitch, if you're worried a little bit about those Detroit backs offsetting each other a little bit. So I love where uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire landed and his potential as an RB1 this year. And I don't think he was an RB1 all along for us guys.
1: It's funny because I threw a tweet out on Twitter yesterday and it started out with, I really like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's my 102, even in super flex rookie drafts. But I think people need to temper their expectations for year one. Because Damien Williams is going to be a little bit more involved than people would like. And you have people jumping in saying, yeah, well, you know, he's still going to be one of the top running backs. I said, "I it, it says I have him at 102. Like, what more do you want? But because you say Damien Williams, people get all hot and bothered and pissed off. Mitch, you were probably the biggest Damien Williams supporter outside of his immediate family last year, right? Oh, easily. I mean, easily. I mean, that's fair to say. Yeah. So how do you see him imp- impacting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, in year 1 because again obviously we're talking about dynasty but the short term outcomes they do play a role in impact dynasty values
2: yeah i definitely think they're going to split the backfield this year i would be shocked if it's you know any more split than 55 45 one way or the other i bet it's really close if unless one of them gets injured like dan mentioned um but you I was, still have him I, I have the rankings
1: up here you feel comfortable with him at 101 right now
2: yeah, because here's the thing every single rookie running back this year is in that situation. The one that probably has the best chance of getting out of it is Keyshawn Vaughn. Cam Akers, no one talks about it, but Malcolm Brown can end up starting over him even before Daryl Henderson does. You have DeAndre Swift. Keysh, you know, Carrion Johnson is going to share touches with him the whole time. Um, Jonathan Taylor, they're not gonna take Marlon Mack off the field. They're probably not gonna and they're definitely not gonna take um Naheen Hines off the field on third downs. And so it's just one of those situations to where all the backs got great landing spots, but they're going to have to compete with the running backs that are on the roster already. So 2020, I think this is built in with every running back that's there. That's why I mentioned on your tweet that you put out that you could change that name to Jonathan Taylor, Deandre Swift. It doesn't matter. It's going to change.
1: I I saw your, your tweet and I was ready to, bicker back and forth you but I think I just hit the like button and I walked away you know I put my phone down I probably you know poured myself a nice cold beverage but the expectation at least in my mind Marlon Mack is still going to be involved
2: mm-hmm.
1: Cam Akers is going to see competition and that offensive line isn't great carry on is going to cut in Andre Swift but I think a lot of people do believe that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the guy in Kansas City, and I think that's something we just have to temper our expectations. Damian Williams—he's like that pesky gnat, and you just keep trying to swat him away, but he keeps coming back.
0: Yeah, offensive familiarity and pass protection will keep him being that gnat for a little while there, you know. And that's going to be the key for Alaire—is just picking up the pass protections, showing he could protect that very soon-to-be expensive investment in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes. And if he does that. He has just the best landing spot with that Super Bowl offense. And, John, you did a great job of analyzing the other back situations. There's more questions there than there is in Kansas City.
1: Guys, what was the over-under tonight on the times Dan said pass protection? Because I think we hit the over already.
0: <laughs> Rookie running backs, man. They got to show show me some pass pro. Yep.
1: He's all about pass protection. All right, Bill, Clyde Edwards-Lair. Let's say compare him to Jonathan Taylor. Right now you're 101 in a, let's say, one quarterback league. Who are you pulling the trigger on first?
3: I'm going to take CEH. I think that just the fact that he's a pass catcher increases his value so much more than Taylor. I mean, I love Taylor. I love his situation. I mean, it's a perfect team for him to land on, but you could say the same thing for Edwards Hilaire. And I'm always going to defer to the pass catcher when I'm tie breaking. So yeah, I don't think that there's, much question that he's the number one now and the fact that Damian Williams is on the last year of his contract I believe and so is Marlon Mack we are gonna I think see the teams use those guys more just because they can run those guys down and they don't really have to worry about it next year so yeah but no question it's CEH right now for me this is one of those
1: situations and it's kind of a cop-out but I wouldn't argue with anybody that has Clyde Edwards Hilaire at 101. I think they're both going to be in fantastic situations, especially in 2021. But for me, I'm still leaning Jonathan Taylor. But again, I'm not going to argue with somebody that goes Clyde Edwards Flair. Dan, who are some of the other guys? And I'm looking at your list, and for the most part, I think you got it right.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's sticking to the guys that we've been talking about every week. And you know, there were three wide receivers outside of the big two that I loved. And, you know, I'll give Mitch the the majority of the credit on the first one, JJ, Justin Jefferson. uh, You know, the more I listen to Mitch talk about it, the more I watch this film, the more he grew on me. And I just love his landing spot in Minnesota. You know, I think just so many years of watching those Vikings games and every time they try to throw to any other receiver, not named Thielen or Diggs, I watch drop balls and just underperformance. Now Diggs is gone. They need a number two. And he's got talent. You know, we went into the combine asking about his speed. He ran a fast 40. The the guy's got it. I I think he's almost a little bit undervalued or underrated. So in these drafts, when, you know, I'm not able to get a Judy or a Lamb, I'm targeting these three guys. It starts with Justin Jefferson and his situation there. And then the great year he had at LSU. And then I'm looking at Michael Pittman, which Bill mentioned uh, I've loved Pittman all along. I love the landing spot in Indianapolis. You know, they need a number two desperately as well. And I think Pittman fills that void ideally. And, and then, what was
1: the main reason you liked Michael Pittman right off the bat?
0: got the genes, man. The dad's gun. <laughs> we all remember Michael Pittman Sr., you know. And uh, my last guy is the one Mitch and I are wise to, and I think Bill is. And we're going to have an intervention here tonight on the Dynasty Theory Podcast with you, JB. LaVisca Chanel, man. This guy is talented. He will find a way to stay healthy. And he got the ideal landing spot in Jacksonville. Um, Outside of Shark, I think Didi is not the guy. He's not the number two that they thought he was going to be. Don't feed me, Chris Conley. He got the ideal spot for for Mitch's boy, Gardner Minshew there. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he blossoms in Jacksonville. And and I'm just going to throw in my sort of sleeper is Antonio Gibson. After I lose out on all these guys in a draft, I want in somehow on that athletic freak. Oh, my God. I watched his film and he just looks like the real deal, no matter what he does, running the ball, catching the ball. I love what what's ahead for that young man.
1: I have Antonio Gibson at 206, so I'm right there on board with you. Justin Jefferson, Mitch, I think he likes the landing spot more than I do. I don't know if he actually rose for me because Mitch did such a good job of convincing me to like Justin Jefferson that I really started to. So when he landed in Minnesota, yeah, the opportunity is there, but I'm just kind of like, eh, And on the draft show, I said people weren't thrilled about Stephon Diggs. Where was his value? It started it started to drop a little bit, Mm -hmm. and they didn't like that landing spot. You know, obviously him being in Minnesota with the way they run their offense. What should get me all hopped up on Justin Jefferson in Minnesota?
0: Shouldn't it be all those receptions. Sort of like you mentioned that Keyshawn Vaughn. You know, opportunity now. It's it's sort of similar with Jefferson. He could lead this rookie class in in receptions in year one and. Just what if, just what if he's the best receiver in this class? Like What if all those touchdowns and receptions at LSU wasn't just a Joe Joe Burrow LSU product? He's not going to
1: lead the rookies in receptions in 2020 because honestly, and I don't want to toot his horn, but Mitch is bringing
2: the guy to the table that's going to have the most receptions out of all the rookies. So Mitch, who do you have? So this is a guy who I had wide receiver six, wide receiver seven, Seven. And I was always making little comments on Twitter about him too, because he was the Twitter darling. And it's Jalen Rager. Came out of TCU um 2019. We all know the story by now. He had horrible quarterback play, but he had had a lot of drops. But if you look at the 2018 tape, he was perfectly okay. So when people started talking to about him going to the Eagles, I'm like, oh, perfect, because they need to replace Nelson Aguilar. But you know that's probably taking it a little bit too far. But when you look at Ray Gore, he immediately went up to my wide receiver one. He has a good good quarterback, good offense. So we could check those off immediately. He has to compete with Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey to get on the field because we brought up that 12 personnel with Fan Jefferson. Problem with the Eagles is they run it the second most in the league right behind Minnesota. And so if you hear anybody talking about, oh, Ray is going to play in the slot, that's not really a good thing because that means he won't see the field. And so it's something that we need to keep an eye on on how they're going to use him. But within 2021, Marquise Goodwin's going to be off the team. Alshon Jeffrey, they're going to have to cut him because he's going to be a cap casualty. Same thing with Des- Deshaun Jackson. So by 2021, Rager could be the wide receiver one on his team. And he's one of the only guys that could actually achieve that within a year. You look at Cee Lamb doesn't have a chance. Judy doesn't have a chance. Even LaVisca Chanel is probably not going to jump over Shark. And there's a lot of guys there that don't have that immediate opportunity. And the fact is, the coaching staff just might not like Alshon Jeffrey anymore for all the crap that they put up with last year. And so they might just put Rager on the field over him to begin with. And so I think that's why he just immediately jumped up from like wide receiver six to wide receiver one for me.
1: Bill, was Rager a big, or as Mitch initially said, Ray Gore is Ray Gore a big riser for you?
3: He's definitely a riser. I, I'm not moving him to one. I, I agree that he's probably the first wide receiver to really gain that wide receiver tight one title. But I think that, I mean, you could almost say that CD lamb is going to have that. I, I could argue that he is going to be the best wide receiver on that team this year. And not Does he get all the targets? I don't know. Depends where they play him. I trust him more than I trust Amari. So just getting back to regular though, I, I think that like he is, he reminds me a lot of Odell kind of in the way that his mannerisms are and the way that he kind of plays the game and how he kind of jukes through players. So, I mean, I love him, but I don't, I can't move him up to one yet.
1: Who do you have at one CD CD? Yeah. My makeshift. Cowboys jersey over there. Yes. Um, Mitch, that's a really good point. The amount of 12 personnel that the Eagles are running, Goddard's going to be on the field. Mm -hmm. Ertz is going to be on the field. Yeah. All all Sean and Goodwin, they might make it a half before their first injury, but I do think Rager is going to get an opportunity here. And then you have two other receivers. One of them I absolutely agree with.
2: The problem I ran into is I put my players down after these guys did, and they took all the good players. So I'm like, oh. Who's left at that point? I said Mims, but Mims is pretty much going where he is already. He's going the very first part of the second round, which is fair. He got great draft capital. He got a great spot. That makes sense. But the one that I chose that I really want to talk about is Devin Duvernay. We talked about Van Jefferson, how you could get him from the 205 probably until the 308. Devin Duvernay is the exact same, but Duvernay walks into such a great situation in Baltimore. They have he might get 10
1: targets this year
2: and then he would still get like a 48 percent target share at that point. But uh, the Ravens only have Hollywood Brown as a wide receiver. And then they have like Seth Roberts and just a whole bunch of middling guys that probably aren't going to see the field. So Duvernay could immediately see the field and it just gives him a chance to get production off the bat. And in that offense, guys are going to be running open as long as Lamar Jackson actually attempts to throw the ball. And so he's just a guy I'm willing to take a chance on at 205, 206, 207, somewhere around there. You know, If it ends up being 301, you could probably get him there as well. But he's a guy that I'm willing to go out and acquire a lot of shares of because as I look at it, those guys that are in the middle of the second round on, I just want a lot of shares of one guy. And if he hits them in really good shape, because the odds are a lot of these guys are just going to burn out. So if I could get, a lot of shares of the one guy that hits, cool. If I get a lot of shares of the one guy that doesn't hit, oh, well, other people are probably messed up on their picks as well.
1: I actually think that Mims could be the receiver here in this class based on the opportunity and the situation and kind of really filling that Robbie Anderson role that could, I don't want to say a low end wide receiver too, but maybe the 25 to 30 range year one. I think it's realistic. I think it's reasonable and it's nothing that's too crazy. I'm not saying he's oh the wide receiver five overall, but I think he could have a really solid year. And he's going to do it, and I'm going to talk about it here shortly, but he's going to do a lot of good things for that offense overall. And it's kind of like what Hollywood Brown, Tyree Kill, those players do. He's going to bring that to the Jets.
2: It depends on how much you like Perryman there, because he's there for a year, and they gave him a pretty good contract. I think he's getting almost 12000000 bucks. million.
1: Isn't that close to what Devin Funchess got in Indianapolis for that one year? Very true. So Touché. I mean, when your deals, the, the number spikes a little bit. So, yeah, I, I like those receivers. I like all the guys that you brought to the table. All three of you, LaVisca Chenault. I think there's always going to be somebody that takes him before me. And it's probably going to be Dan in every single draft. Dan, let me ask you a question. You're you're high on Chenault. You liked him before the draft. You like him now with the Jaguars. Dysfunction doesn't ruin it for you. It depends who
0: we're comparing them to JB. Uh, you know, you, you got to twist my words a little bit here, pal. No. Um, you know, again, uh, I I take guys on dysfunctional teams. It depends on the situation throughout a draft. So uh, I try to keep that in pers- perspective for our listeners there, but Chenault's my guy, man. And, uh, You know, I think Mitch, you know, I'm happy I gave him credit on Justin Jefferson because even though we picked him on our our show notes, Mitch, I I think that was still your guy. So I'm a little surprised you're putting Rager in front of him because you've been Jefferson all the way.
2: The problem is just Minnesota had, I think they had the second least pass attempts last year. And I think it's going to be the same moving ahead. I don't see him bumping it up with a rookie wide receiver when they had digs. And so that's my biggest issue with Jefferson. I love him. I still have him really high in my rankings, but. I just don't know if he has the ceiling of even someone like Chanel does. You know, what Chanel's ceiling is insanely high if he could stay healthy.
0: That's, you know, the issue with Chanel. The I, I in comparison to to Rieger, sorry, JB. The, and those two are close in talent, so you, you can flip mm-hmm. a coin. But I don't want to ever get caught in that trap, too, of just because a guy's on a good landing spot, it means we take him. You know, the talent always rises to the top. Yep, great point.
1: Jefferson, just like you said, Mitch, he worries me a little bit because everybody has that expectation. Well, Diggs is leaving with those targets and Jefferson is going to fill that role. Irv Smith is developed. He's Mm going to be more involved in offense. Do they run more 12 personnel with Rudolph still there? Irv Smith, Thielen, if he's healthy. Dalvin Cook being used out of the backfield, Alexander Madison. So there are issues there with Jefferson. I don't think he's going to get nearly as many targets as people think. It's kind of the same thing that I said with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I think people have to temper their expectations a little bit, but then, you know, once the preseason gets here, I'm probably going to say Jefferson's getting 350 targets, boys, you know, like, so we're all guilty of it. I do it too, but I, I just think we have to be very weary and hesitant of these rookies going into 2020, especially with the potentially shortened off season.
2: Yeah. When well, we were talking about it real quick, Minnesota ran the most 12 personnel in the league last year. Did they Everyone brings up Philadelphia as being like the 12 personnel team, but it was actually Minnesota who ran the most.
0: I think with the two teams, and I think JB mentioned it. I mean, at some point I expect those Eagles guys to get injured. So that would, you know, make the case for Rager. But in year one, I just if they are healthy, I think they do stay on the field. He'll get he'll get his reps, but not he's gonna share more where I think Jefferson's just gonna be the clear number two.
1: All right. So we talked about the rookie risers and for one reason or another, most of them landing spot, but also uh, maybe just looking into them a little bit more. They really jumped up our draft boards. I want to spend some time talking about the vets that came out as the big winners from the NFL draft. Bill, start us off.
3: Yeah, I think Devontae Adams was a clear winner, uh, not having any other pass catchers. I think there was a tight end drafted, but nothing that's going to affect him. I mean, last year he was on pace for 170 targets. I think he could probably be on that same pace this year and lead the league in targets. So I think he's a clear winner. There's nobody really changing that situation at all.
1: I see Devonte Adams and I, I had a tweet. He's going to get 180 targets and I really believe that. Mitch, you're going through your projections and you said you have him at a 30% target share. This was oh, yeah. pre-draft. I don't see that changing. And Mitch's guy and uh, he has him on the list here, so I'm not even going to get into it. But um yeah, I completely root Devonte Adams. So Bill, you have two other guys <laughs> and I, Bill, you and I share the same mind, I think, because mm-hmm. I love these guys.
3: Yeah, my other two guys are Drew Locke and Derek Carr. I mean, I, I think those are pretty, uh, pretty safe to say that most people will agree with it. Uh, just all the, you know, all the talent that's being put around them is exciting. Just to see like how they're going to perform this year. Mitch,
1: you're shaking your head as much as you like dr- dislike Drew Locke, You can't argue with the fact that they added weapons around him, and he's in a much better situation now than he was a week ago. You can't argue with that.
2: Without a doubt. They they improved for both those guys. They improved the skill positions around him. So he should be better. That also means to me that a second round draft pick from last year is going to have an extremely short leash if he doesn't produce. He's not going to get the normal, hey, we'll give him three years to see what happens here. If he doesn't produce next year, I don't see him being there in 2021. That's my biggest issue with Locke is he could. He could go out there and be a top 10 quarterback this year. Without a shadow of a doubt with the uh, amount of weapons he has around him, he should be expected to be a quarterback 10 this year. But if I he's actually, not
1: I I don't have him that high for this year. I do see him as a quarterback too because again it comes down to the passing volume. They bring Melvin Gordon in, I think they spent they focus more on the run mm-hmm. and with that defense, I do think I I think he's going to be that 15 to 18 range. So super flex, I love him. But I think he's, I don't want to call him a game manager, but I think as long as he can get them to 10 and six, maybe 11 and five, maybe that's a little too much, Mm -hmm. but if he gets them to the playoffs, that's, what's going to secure his job rather than going out there, throwing 600 passes and leading the league in passing yards.
2: Look at that division though. They're going against Kansas city already. Um, The chargers, that defense is amazingly good. And then they have the Raiders as well. And the Raiders had a great draft. And the Raiders were the surprise team last year. So I could see, you know, them approving as well. So that's my one worry with Drew Locke is he does have all this talent and he should succeed, but he also could be the guy that could be replaced after one year because they don't really have any reason to keep him around if he doesn't succeed. So that's my only hesitation with Locke now. There's no excuse. They put the weapons around him. It's, it's his time to shine. And if he
1: can't, I do believe he's going to be out the door sooner rather than later. But I do believe in Drew Locke. So, pardon the pun. Actually, don't pardon it, but I have him locked and loaded here in a lot of my super flex leagues. Uh, Bill, you have Derek Carr on your list, and I I like Derek Carr a lot. Do you think there's any concern with Marcus Mariota coming there? They didn't draft a quarterback, which was a great sign, but a lot of people do believe that Mariota, for one reason or another, whether it's injury or performance, he does take over in 2020. I'm not one of those people, for the record.
3: Yeah, I, I don't believe he will. I think he... I think he had like 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions last year, something around that range. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. And I think that's really all they're looking to do is have him be a proficient, efficient quarterback. And he can make all the short and intermediate passes. And a lot of people think that Ruggs is just a deep, you know, a deep pass receiver but most of his passes or receptions were short and intermediate routes and he just would run the other 60 yards so i think that they're building a team with at you know with talent that can fit what Carr is actually good at so i'm i'm not worried because i haven't seen anything from mariota in the last few years that concerns me but there's always that safety net just in case car blows up
1: he's another quarterback. He kind of falls in that Drew Locke category. They're putting weapons around him where previously he really didn't have that many weapons, especially last year. It was Darren Waller. Hunter Renfro came out of nowhere. Tyrell Williams was injured. So this year he's going to have no excuse. Dan, you're going to kind of echo a little bit of what Bill said. You too, you're, you're seeing eye to eye here. And then you have a few extra guys too. So who do you have, Dan?
0: Yeah, I'll start with a little name drop for you and me, JB. You know, we, we spoke to this guy, Woody Page, you know, just, just saying a little while back, and he gave us some insight that Locke has that it factor, Mitch. And then, you know, I tried to go trade for Drew Locke in leagues, and unfortunately, like, JB had him in, like, almost all of them, so he, he took the thunder right out of me. But uh, I love that Denver draft. You know, they're clearly building around them. What a backfield with Gordon and Lindsey to take the pressure off. Sutton And Huey Royce, Royce and Hamler. is still there, guys um uh, so anyway um, you know Noah Fant I mean, there's a lot of weapons you know Mitch mentions the division it is going to be competitive and, and I think Oakland and Denver are clearly building for those shootouts against Kansas mm-hmm. City because they know they need to score points so the Woody Page factor the talent around them I think Drew Locke I, I think where JB has them in that 15 18 you know range I, I think that's Comforting for me going into this year's draft. I think he makes that second year jump and secures his job and, uh, you know, is a good pick to have. And then Derek Carr, as Bill said, uh, he's another one. You know, the Raiders are building a lot of offensive talent around him. He's got all the weapons. I do not believe in Mariota, but I do believe you should have Mariota as a handcuff because you never know what Chucky Gruden. So there is that little piece uh, that, that we mentioned. But I think Lock and Carr are going to be there for a few years. So I left the draft feeling comfortable with them that they didn't go draft the quarterback of the future like Green Bay or Philadelphia, those teams that threw some wrinkles in the draft. And then um, my other two guys, I don't know if you want me to get into them, J.B. Yeah, just because we already in. touched on Lock and Carr. Uh, one is James Conner. I know Bill mentioned him earlier. Again, he's a guy that just last year was – we're talking about him in the first round of drafts. And I know there's concerns with his health. But when he was healthy last year, I mean, he, he still flashed. Just unfortunately, he was hurt more than he was healthy. Again, we see him this offseason throwing logs, looking all jacked. He's still only 24. He's going to want to get paid. I I think there's a decent running backs behind him, but there's a drop in talent. I like the pick McFarland, but he doesn't scare me. He's got a long way to go in pass protection. I think he's a little bit raw. I love watching him run. I mean, boy, is he fast. But uh, I think Connor's at least good for this year, where if they drafted one of those studs, I would have been a little more nervous uh, at the moment. So I'm at least comfortable for one year with Connor, And I think that, you know, he signs a free agent deal somewhere else because I think he's going to perform and stay healthy this year. And then uh, my last guy is the Lizard, man, Alan Lazard. I guess I'm piggybacking off of Bill's insight again here with Devontae Adams. Uh, I just didn't draft anyone, which... You know, miffs all of us here how Green Bay does in, in this rich draft take a wide receiver, but they don't. Uh, I just think he's becoming their number two receiver. Everybody else that we talked about in Green Bay last year had a million chances, and I think they're out of chances. And I think Functions is a dysfunctional, overrated receiver that's going to get beat out by the bums, other bums on the team. So, give me Lazard as a clear number two.
1: And it's funny because all three of you brought a Packer to the table. James Conner, I I do think there's a, a pause for concern with Anthony McFarland. And I said, I'm going to call him snot McFarland. Cause you have booger and now you have snot, but uh, Bill, that's what, that's what I do. I, I bring to the table <laughs> during our live draft show. I think I had at least 15, 20 terrible jokes and towards the middle and especially the end, Mitch, Dan, and any guests we had on the show, they completely ignored it. And I was like, well, all right, I'm going to sit here and drink my Gatorade and vodka. But there was a pause con- for concern. And I think James Conner's his health is certainly an issue. And I, I keep saying it, I don't want to say a player is injury prone, and I'm not a doctor, I just want to throw that out there, I think every, that's very clear, but what toll did, you know the chemo have on James Connors' body, that's a serious question, I don't know, you know, these other injuries, I, it seems like they're popping up, has his body been weakened because of it, and things like that, so it's just something that I've been thinking about, I don't know the answer to that, if anybody does. Let me know. But then Alan Lazard, I think that's a good one too, because he should secure that wide receiver to roll, especially with how much Aaron Rodgers likes him. And that's a big thing in that offense. Even though it seems like the organization itself is not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan, Aaron Rodgers fan right now. Mitch, for once we agree. I like the three guys you have here.
2: Well, I'll start off by saying that Packers draft was the worst draft I've seen in a long time. It didn't make any sense. Even you see a lot of people saying, well, they're building to be a run team now. Well, then build for it. Get some offensive linemen. Don't take A.J. Dillon. But anyways, so funny thing is actually in my notes before I saw who Dan wrote down, I said, everyone's going to talk about Funchess and Lazard. That's a bunch of nonsense. You don't want those guys. Who you want is Jay Sternberger. So actually I was going through some like old Packers notes on their, you know, exit interviews that they're having with players. And Jace brought up that LaFleur asked him if he could start to play slot, if he could go and train in the off season so he could, you know, be the tight end as well, but they can move him to the slot. And if that's a possibility for Jace and you get to have him as a tight end in the first place, that just bumps up a little bit more for me. And you could get him. I've been getting him for third round 2021 draft picks in almost every single league, or I'll have him added in like, oh yeah, I'll do that trade if you throw him in as well.
1: I keep and, getting the trade alerts from my fantasy league and your name keeps popping up and there's two players in every single trade. Keyshawn Vaughn mm-hmm. and Jay Sternberger, every single trade.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a really cheap <laughs> shot to take for a third, but it's a guy who... The coaches came out and talked about he wants to play him in the slot. Jace has talked about it. And he showed up in the postseason. You know, he had a touchdown in that game against the 49ers. He didn't show much as a rookie. But I never expect rookie tight ends to do anything in the first place. But he was a third-round draft pick. They didn't use, like previously mentioned, anything on pass catchers. So I'm all about getting Jace this season.
0: I got to say here and compliment Mitch, you know, J.B., if there's something our listeners could do, it's every show, every other show, Mitch has this like sleeper nugget and he does it in DFS. He'll do it in Dynasty. You know, you look at Jace and he was a sleeper tight end last year. We knew he was low raw, had potential, flashed a little bit at the end. And then Mitch gives you that insight of being a slot wide receiver. Uh, there's a lot of value there. So when you're in your drafts and you're looking at guys, uh, I would I would not forget what Mitch shared right there because that could be a difference in a, in your tight end situation for a league.
1: I like Jason moving forward, and like you said, Mitch, he's dirt cheap.
0: Yeah, he's pretty much
2: free. And then the other guys I was going to bring up, and thanks for that, by the way, Dan, but I was going to bring up Minshew, pretty much the exact same thing as Lock and Carr. They didn't bring in any competition for him, even though we heard they are going to bring in Tua. They're probably going to trade up for Burrow at some point, so they didn't have to play Minshew. But he's also a guy who has this year to prove it. If he doesn't prove anything this year, he is gone. And the Jags kind of improved on the defense. And so they could be complete trash this year and he could be gone, but you should have a solid 16 weeks to have him as a starter. I so all those investments. Winston? I know, right? Is What's he that? This year's Jameis
1: Winston. I'm not saying the ceiling is, is that high, but is he a guy that just completely goes off this year? The team is not great. And then he's gone after this year, not gone, but back to the bench.
2: Could be. If the team sucks and they end up getting the top three pick, they're going to end up taking Lawrence or someone else. They just don't have enough invested in them. So they're going to have to end up being seven and nine, eight and eight. That drops them too far down in order for them to be able to draft a quarterback. And Pretty then, much
1: what Oakland did last year with Derek Carr.
2: Exactly. They got yeah, to that, seven
1: and nine and they, okay, well, we're mm-hmm. going to keep them one more year.
2: And Miami almost screwed that up too. <laughs> Miami almost screwed up getting to a and then the last guy I was going to bring up is Le'Veon Bell because that whole Jets offense now turns into a buy they upgraded their offensive line through free agency and through the draft they have Crowder already they have Mims they have Perriman Sam Darnold is a good young quarterback he's still really he's younger than Burrow guys he's still really young Le'Veon Bell is going to get all the volume. He is going to be a top five running back in volume again this year. There's nobody behind him on the roster. We don't have to worry about anyone coming in, a rookie. I mean, P. Ryan isn't going to come in and take touches away from Bell. So they're going to give him all the touches again, and we'll see how it works. Maybe he only gets 3.1 yards a carry again, and he sucks. But he'll be getting that volume every single week, and that's pretty big to me.
1: And based on his contract, if you look at it, there's minimal dead cap after 2020. I think it's about $4 million in dead cap for 2021 and maybe three in 2022. But there's a, there's a really good chance that he's not a New York Jet after 2020. So what, if that's the mindset, why not run him into the ground a little bit?
0: He might actually have some running lanes this year. So if that's the case, you know at least you get a little more value than, than you did a year ago. And, and a last note on Minshew there, JB. You know, I, I agree with you. I'm not high on his long-term potential, but if you do own him, as Mitch does in some leagues, you're relieved. He's definitely saved for one year.
1: We have a comment here from from our friend, <laughs> the Duck. <laughs> Stop knocking my former Oregon Ducks. Listen, we are equal opportunity haters. We'll, we'll hate on everybody, including the Ducks, and I apologize for that. I have a few guys here, and as always, this isn't going to surprise anybody. My list is longer than anybody else's, but I'm just going to run through. I'm not going to elaborate. Sam Darnold, Miles Sanders in Boston. Scott, I think they're both huge winners. Christian Kirk, Jordan Howard, at least for 2020, because I'm not Matt Breida. He is much better than the alternative. I would have preferred they didn't bring anybody in, but they didn't take DeAndre Swift. And Matt Breida is not DeAndre Swift. And then for 2020, Todd Gurley. He's going to pop off. He's going to get used so much, whether it's the passing game. We look at Devontae Freeman. He had over 70 targets last year. Todd Gurley is better than Devontae Freeman, even with two bad knees. So I think Todd Gurley, there's going to be another cell window, multiple cell windows mid-season here, that if you're looking to unload him on your dynasty roster, there's going to be at least one or two chances here. Any issues, guys, with those guys? The perfect list, I think. And you can say that. That's all right.
2: Bill, I've heard these other guys talk about it. How do you feel about Gurley and his knees? I wonder if his knees weren't as bad as they were made out to be, and that offensive line was just so trash, it didn't really matter who they had behind it last year. Because some of those plays, Gurley looked like the old Gurley last year. So I was just wondering your take on him.
3: I think in spurts, he's the old Gurley, but I I still think his knees are a problem. Um, I don't think we're ever going to see him play a whole season at that level. So I think they need to either just do certain games where they feel they really need him or they're going to only use him in a, you know, in a committee. Um, But he did look good towards the end of the season. I agree with you. Again, that's, that's another issue is these running backs at the end of the season when they're looking better, especially if they weren't used a lot early in the season, that's a concern just because they're going up against a a tired defense. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I like early this year, uh, but I'm not paying, you know, running back one prices, I mean, I'm looking at something in the middle of maybe an RB2 for him.
1: If it's an existing league, I'm not going out and buying him. Absolutely not. But I think just the veterans that came out as a big winner from the NFL draft, how many times, Mitch and Dan, do we say they're going to get J.K. Dobbins? They're going to get Cam Akers. They didn't take anybody. So Todd Gurley, for me, he's a big winner here. Now to close the show, guys, rookie rapid fire. You have not seen this list at all. I have four different situation four different comparisons and it's rapid fire dan you're not going to give me a five minute homily over that. there okay Theo, oh but so we're going to go dan bill mitch for all four of these okay so who do you prefer in a, a dynasty rookie draft today okay and we'll say full ppr just so it's consistent all right dan Keyshawn vaughn cam Akers, or deandre swift
3: deandre swift bill deandre swift and Mitch
2: Swift. Wow. Okay. Of so you got. No. I, I, I don't even have a DeAndre. real
3: question.
1: Yeah, DeAndre Swift. He he's he's five tiers below, and then below the dirt and everything else down there.
0: JB's just warming up. That was a warm up.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're starting off easy. All right, Dan. This one's going to tug at your heartstrings a little bit. CD Lamb or Jerry Judy?
3: Jerry Judy. Bill. CD Lamb.
2: Mitch. I've turned. I said Judy on draft night, but I think it's CD Lamb.
1: See, it's crazy. And for once, Dan puts his fandom aside Mm -hmm. and he takes Jerry Judy. Why do you – this is going to be on me. We're going to slow down the the rapid fire. Why do you prefer (laughs) Judy? Because I I prefer land myself.
0: I just loved his route running going in, and I think he's going to be their clear number two receiver with even a chance over time of being their number one where Dallas – I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed. I think Lam will do well. I love him. I just think Judy has just a little bit more long-term potential to be the guy.
1: But we've talked about with Amari Cooper, they have an out after two years here.
0: So- I don't know if they go out, boys. He's a stud. But then they still have Gallup. They still have Jarwin. They still have Zeke.
1: They're also going to have a 100 more passing attempts. Than the Broncos Jarwin is dead. But the Broncos are still growing. died still when they drafted Landry. Hey, in a two PPR tight end premium league, I'm comfortable taking huh. Blake Jarwin as tight end 25, where he, I was he will him.
2: get you 6.3 points in every one of those leagues. Awesome. J-
0: just remember Judy and Jarwin are re- are gonna take Cobb and uh Witten's production there. So I don't think Jarwin's wait he's gonna do could- what? I don't think Jarwin's dead because C.D. Lamb <laughs> came into the picture because Cobb had 55 receptions last year. Mm-hmm. Witten had a gazillion receptions. It was the third down machine there. I, I just think there's still production for Jarwin. The key to Dallas, and that for everyone watching the offseason, will be their O-line. If that O-line stays healthy and Zeke stays healthy, I think this offense could be a juggernaut. But with oh, Travis is. Frederick retiring – you know, Tyron Smith had, has had back problems. Their interior line has a lot of guys that must stay healthy and prove themselves. Um, so that offense, there's a little chance it underperforms if they get dinged up.
1: All right, very good. And it's just funny because you're the only one that's going, Judy, whenever you, you bleed cowboy blood. I think Next a stud. one. What was that, Dan?
0: I just think he's a stud. Go ahead.
1: T. Higgins or Denzel Mims?
0: Denzel Mims.
3: T. Higgins. No. Mims. No. Bill, Bill, I knew I brought you on the show for a reason. (laughs) T.
1: Higgins. 2020 is going to be rough. I I do think 2020 is going to be rough for him. So if you're buying and you're investing in him now and you like him, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities throughout 2020 to buy him even cheaper. Whereas Mims, he's going to see a value spike in 2020 because he's going to see the field. He's going to be used in the passing game, especially when they fall behind early. But T. Higgins, man. He's going to fill in for A.J. Green. I'm not saying he is A.J. Green, so don't quote me on that. But he's going to take that spot in 2021. I'm very excited about that offense. You're going to have my man, Tyler Boyd, Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon. If he gets uh, an extension there for 2021 and beyond, I think T. Higgins is going to be an absolute stud.
0: All right, Dan, your third time out here overtime, and final one here. Didn't you say Sam Darnold was your man about 10 minutes ago and how young he was and, and the, this potential of the Jets and he could be the man and Perryman's one year deal is, you know, just a one year deal. And, what, what, and, what did I say,
1: and I didn't contradict myself. I said Denzel Mims is going to be the wide receiver to have possibly the best rookie season. That's what I said, right? Then you just take Higgins over him. What did you just say to me 10 minutes ago? We're playing dynasty, baby. This is the
2: least rapid fire segment I've (laughs) ever heard. (laughs) It's because
1: I'm getting, I I get carried away here. So my rapid fire takes like an hour. Okay. So that was two, two bill and I, we win the tiebreaker there. The guest gets the extra point. Now, Dan Darrington Evans or Brian Edwards. So a little, uh, we're mixing up the positions here for once.
3: Brian Edwards, Brian Edwards. Brian
2: Edwards can be an absolute stud. Okay, well, I, I have Darrington Evans, so we'll just have...
1: maybe I'll edit that part out where I say Darrington Evans. I think he's gonna have he's gonna have an opportunity to do something at of offense. He's gonna be using the passing game. I and then is Derrick Henry there beyond 2020? Mitch, you flip and flop on this every I, other
0: Evans week. Evans is not a feature back.
1: He doesn't have to be though. The way the NFL is right now, he doesn't have to be in every down back to to be relevant and possibly I'm not saying he's not a running back one, but he doesn't have to be for where you're getting him in drafts.
3: Yeah, but Edwards could be a wide receiver one and the the Raiders.
1: No, my man Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, they're not going (laughs) to let that
2: happen. Yeah, Renfro, yeah, that that one died pretty quickly. I mean, is he going to see the field at all after week four or five after these rookies actually get a hold of it? There's just no way.
1: When we talk about the players that really took a hit because of the draft, two of my really cheap options throughout this offseason so far took a hit. Blake Jarwin, mm-hmm. Hunter Renfrew. God rest their souls. <laughs> All right, so we did a little rookie rapid fire. We went through some veterans that gained, well, maybe not gained value, but they didn't take a hit because of the draft and then rookies that rose up our rankings. Bill, thank you so much for coming on. P- plug our listeners, you know, we we talked about uh the the two shows you're on. Where can they find you? What are you working on throughout this offseason?
3: yeah first i want to let you guys know i had a great time this was a lot of fun um i appreciate you bringing me on after your last four guests totaling six hundred eighty-five thousand followers on twitter um yeah you can find me at the the fantasy timeline where we talk about uh you know topics that we saw on twitter we kind of go over the news that sort of thing uh with my co-host josh valentine at real fantasy tl um, and then I do the Superflexperts, which is more of an interview-based uh, podcast. I had John on there.
1: And That was uh, the best episode you've had, if I'm gonna.
3: Oh, it was a here. great time, man. I enjoy it, man. We because pretty much on that one, I'm talking to different analysts, and we're talking not necessarily about like the news and specific values of players. It's more about philosophies and you know theories and and psychology of fantasy football. So you know, it's just a different kind of macro look at it um and that's pretty much it i i write uh i do quarterback review for the rookie digest so finish that up and i have to do the post-draft analysis so that's pretty much what i'm working on next is reviewing some of these quarterbacks that i did not review beforehand so yeah that's it man and i i have so much fun talking to you guys and you know thank you so much for having me
1: Next year, we're going to have to get you on our draft show when we do. We expanded two nights. It it, it was hectic, but it was so much fun, and I'll try to keep it, maybe not PG, but maybe just PG-13 at least this year, because it it may have gone a little R-rated, and Dan kind of, you know, shook his finger at me.
0: (laughs) Hey, Mother's Day is coming on the 10th, pal. I can't have you getting the moms fired up that listen to the show (laughs) like you've been.
1: I I would never want to do that, but Bill, you know, you're doing fantastic work there with the 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 fantasy timeline and the the super flex spurts and i love the format and you know just like you kind of said coming on our show i had an absolute blast whenever i jumped on with you just uh, very light but still informative talking about the different topics so uh keep doing what you're doing we want to thank everybody for tuning in find us on twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff and subscribe to the youtube channel dynasty theory be safe and have a great night